Welcome to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. The podcast that covers all things about humans, technology, and particularly the bit in between. Hello and welcome to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast with me, your host, Barry Kirby. Before we get actually meet today's guest, you may have noticed a more visual version of the podcast today. That is if you're seeing the video version of the interview either on YouTube or Facebook or wherever else I've managed to put this. This is the first podcast we've recorded as a video as well as an audio option. We now have a YouTube feed and if I could remember what the actual YouTube feed was, I'd tell you right now, but it, I can't remember. So it'll be in the show notes. So you, that's a good excuse for you to go and work out where the show notes are. And we will be populating the feed over time. Um, it might not be have every interview there, but it will certainly have um, extracts from every interview and a variety of content depending on what's going on. Anyway, on to today's episode. There's a small number of podcasts that were hugely influential in me, in me launching this 1202 podcast. And all for different reasons. They're elements of style, structure, engagement techniques, and general enthusiasm. But the one that's most directly related in a human factor sense is Human Factors Cast. Human Factors Cast is a weekly podcast based with human factors content. And I'm completely blown away constantly by there's loads of activity that goes on under the brand label. Theoretically, being a human factors podcast, you think that they are the competition to me. But in reality, we do different styles. And quite frankly, they're much better at getting consistently con- uh, consistently produced content out all the time. Recently, I decided to take the plunge and reach out to the presenters to see if they'd be willing to have a chat and if they'd be willing to take part in a When Podcasts Collide interview. As luck would have it, and those of you that are regular listeners to either their show or uh, this podcast, it timed well with them needing an extra presenter. So for the past few weeks, I've been moonlighting with them and their live recorded broadcasts. Despite them both having rather hectic schedules at the moment, I'm delighted that Nick Rome, the main main drive behind the Human Factors cast, has joined me today to give us a peek into the man behind the podcast. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me, Barry. It's it's weird to have the flip the script flipped over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, from from everything, right? Because you're you're hosting the show, uh, and I've had you on my show for the last what four or five weeks. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 a great uh, honor to be here. It's also slightly scary for me. I mean, it's got to be open and honest. You're, you're the main inspiration between behind me doing this whole um, YouTubing thing, the vi- showing show me uh, and giving me uh, encouragement into doing the visual side of things. But it is a bit scary on this side of the buttons, I have to be said. Um, so normally when I'm on Nick's show, I just sit there and pretend to try and look pretty and answer the questions when I'm asked. Whereas you've got loads of buttons over here to, to, uh, to play with. So I nearly... Nick, nearly didn't get into the show because I didn't realise I had to actually <laughs> let him in. Anyway, enough about that. Nick, let's find out a bit more about you. So what is it you do at the moment? So right now, uh, I am a senior user experience researcher over at a company called Turbo, uh, and they are a company that basically makes a software as a solution, uh, software as a service solution for global supply chain logistics. Um, Still pretty new to the industry myself. Uh, I'm currently looking at kind of how to optimize that platform for some of the end users. Um, And that includes a lot of different user groups from everything to carriers, to the people doing the warehousing, all the way to the drivers of the trucks themselves. So that's that's currently where I'm at. There's loads of challenges there. So how did you get into human factors in the first place then? Sure. That's a great question. So uh, initially, um, I had no idea what human factors is and everyone kind of has their own little origin story, right? So <laughs> yeah. uh, I kind of I kind of got into the field um, looking for 
uh, a mentor that was interested in virtual reality. That was something that I was really interested in and wanted to study. And uh, it just so happened that um, there was uh, who ended up being my advisor actually was at my undergrad institution with me. Then he moved to a different institution uh, and it was under the human factors uh, program. And so it just so happened that I, you know, applied to that program to be with him. And uh, by kind of a stroke of luck, I got included in the human factors program. And um, after joining, I quickly realized that it was kind of an awesome pathway to um, allow me to do a lot of different types of things somewhere down the line. Um, And so that's kind of where I kind of fell in love with it. Cool. So, so having had the, I mean, being able to fall into it and find it so early on, I think in, in many ways is, is quite a gift and quite a privilege. Um, having I came to it much sort of later in my career, so I, I, I'm almost envious of people who can who get into it earlier on. But the from that initial um, initial exposure, then what, what's been your career path? How have you got to where you are today? Sure. So, like I said, I'm fairly new to supply chain logistics. Uh, the previous domain that I worked in was in defense, worked primarily as a contractor on all things from uh, small website redesigns and updates all the way to complex multi-user naval intelligence systems. Uh, and I really got my start in the technology sector working on electrical relays. You know, they have these uh, little little boxes that siphon off energy from the power lines and there's interfaces that need to uh that people need to use in order mm-hmm. to put the correct settings on those boxes. So that's kind of where I got my start. So how did you find working in the, in the defense industry then? Because it's um, coming from the defense industry myself, you know, that there is, that there's a whole lot of, uh, there's the safety aspects. There's also the, the users I think are fairly unique uh, in, in the way that you, the way that you engage with them and things like that. How have you found a working in the defense industry, but then coming out into into another new industry? How's that transition been? Yeah, well, uh, so there's a couple things here, right? First off, let's talk about the defense industry. It is very uh, challenging. There are lots of obstacles that you face uh, as somebody who is trying to talk with users. One, you're constantly in a battle for time with those people. Uh, their time is valuable. They're doing valuable work. Then there's also the challenge of gathering data, right? A lot of times you're forced to be creative with trying to access users and collect data in uh, potentially locked down uh, environments. And so everything's kind of pen and paper. You got to be careful what you write down, that type of thing. So there's lots of challenges in that domain. Now, moving away from that domain into industry on a completely different domain has been an interesting shift. Uh, There's a lot more access to users first off. uh, And sort of these virtual meetings have been a real boon in sort of uh, getting access to that data. Everything's recorded now and it's, you can go back and reference it. So yeah, it's, it's quite different. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, I, you almost don't realize just how big a deal security is until you don't have to worry about it quite so much anymore. Um, and right. you think, well, I can use real tools to, like, you know, digital tools to record stuff. I can use a dictaphone or you know some sort of recording device to record your room. Wow, that's something uh, new and clever. But uh, but yeah, no, that that's, again, really interesting to see how people can come into largely one domain and then sort of transition into in, into others and actually carry them lessons that you've learned, learned across with you. So you've gone, 
you spend all this time being a, a contractor and, and that type of thing. In the past 18 months, I don't know if you noticed, but we've had this pandemic thing. Um, what pandemic? What is yeah, that thing? It's just hung around <laughs> in the background, you know, the people have gone on about it. But no, I mean, the, the pandemic has, has given everybody challenges, um, both physically in terms of how to work and, and engage, but also mentally about how we treat our work-life balance and, and all that sort of stuff. How have you found it? How have you found working through COVID-19? Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like my story is a little different from most. So I actually took a job right before COVID hit or right before lockdown started happening. And this was a fully remote work from home gig. And so I was fully prepared kind of with my setup and everything ready to go right when the pandemic, right when the lockdown started hitting. And so I was kind of going there and saying, oh, thank goodness I had a couple you know, weeks <laughs> ahead of time to really prepare for this type of environment because uh, you know, there was a couple of us on the team that were fully remote, but then everyone else shifted to remote right. and it was a big adjustment for them, not so much disruptive for me and my workflow. And so uh, that side of things was, uh, you know, not too difficult to deal with, but then there was the other side of things of like, how do you organize these big, large events that we were going to have in person uh, with, you know, hundred plus people. Mm. And how do you, how do you sort of have an event digitally? It was that new frontier of how do you have one of these large events virtually and still have everything be productive. And that was like the first weekend of lockdown that that happened. And so it was kind of trial by fire. Uh, so lots of lessons learned. Um, I find that, you know, generally I work better uh, from home remotely and we talked about this on my show uh, yeah. about, you know, how I can kind of unplug one laptop and plug another one in with a docking station and have it totally switch my mindset. So uh, it kind of fits the way I work. That's really cool. And how have your, um, your family found um, you being at home? I mean, like say you, you were doing it just before lockdown hit, but are they, are they fed up with you yet? Or do they want you to go and get a new office or... Uh, yeah. So, I mean, well, I'm in a pod right now for a reason. So I've built, I, I physically constructed a, uh, a, I guess, frame around my desk. And this is in an attempt to keep my two-year-old from jumping in <laughs> on some of these calls with me. Uh, but it's nice, you know, I think working from home is, is, uh, it's nice that I can have a meeting and then, you know, step away, grab a snack, sit down with my family and just take a couple minutes to breathe before I get back to the next email. You know, it's for me, it's, uh, it's really valuable that time that I got back. And, you know, I think we'll talk a little bit about it later, but I, at one point spent about four and a half hours a day in a car commuting. Uh, and so this is a big change for me and it's a welcome change. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a, a lot of people who are, who are saying that it's the, I think for for me, there's, there's some bits around, um, you know, doing their face to face meetings with with work colleagues and you know, particularly leading teams. I think has proven an interesting challenge, um, but I, but not insurmountable by any stretch. Um, I think the technology now is is just and allows us to do so much, um, and throughout the period of COVID, just um, evolved so strongly as well. Um, even some of them tools that you wouldn't use right at the beginning have, have actually become useful now, not to name any names, but, um, yeah, there's, um, there's been some tools out there that were appalling and now vaguely useful. We're going to talk in. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
after we're gonna have a, I'm gonna have a quick break and then we get into um, we'll talk about all about you and your podcast. So we'll be right back after this. You are listening to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. We wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you for your support. You can help further by rating us through your podcast provider, sharing us through social media, and telling your friends and colleagues. Let's work together in raising awareness of the value in putting users at the center of what we do. I'm so impressed that I hit the right button at the right time. Um, for those of you who are watching, so, well, those of you watching, because if you're listening, then you won't have actually heard that much difference. But if you're watching, I'd be really keen on your feedback and your thoughts into the um, into the visuals of the show and see what you think works and, and what doesn't, because um, I am very responsive to your needs. So just let me know. Um, Nick, Human Factors Cast, tell yes. us about the format. For somebody who's never listened to it before, <laughs> firstly, you turn around and say, why haven't you listened to it before? Because, you know, it, it is pretty much the number one rated Human Factors podcast out there. What are people missing? What's the format? Well, look, I really hope that we have a lot of overlap between listeners. So I'm hoping that this information isn't totally new. But if you haven't checked out the show before, so uh, like Barry mentioned, we are a podcast over on my end where we talk about all things human factors. And this is a weekly show where we take a look at what's going on in the news. Now, this could be anything uh, technology psychology, design, human factors, you know, as long as it fits within that domain and kind of has the criteria of, is this an interesting news story? Can we talk about it for half an hour? And uh, it, will it spark discussion? Does it have some roots based in human factors? So, you know, every week we kind of come to the table, we do our research, we look up some, some of these core seminal human factors uh, principles and apply it to the story that we're talking about. Uh, and after we're done with the story, that's about a half hour discussion, then we, talk, then we do a little segment called It Came From, and this is where we search all over the internet to look for things that the community is talking about, the human factors community. So this could be anything from uh, like a Reddit post, which is where we source a lot of our stuff, but it could also be things like we have a Slack community, we have a Discord community. We also sometimes see things on LinkedIn or uh, you know one of our random posts or you know sometimes our Patreons will even come in and leave comments that we'll talk about in that section. And basically it's... I like to consider it career advice or professional development or just let's answer questions. Um, and then we kind of round out the show with uh, one more thing, which is just a way for us to banter. Um, you know, we figure if people like the program enough and want to get to know us better, then that's where we really have a chance to just talk about whatever we want. Usually it's human factors related, but sometimes it's not. So that's that's the format of the show. It's more than just a podcast, though, isn't it? Because... As you, I mean, you, you record it live, which I think is hugely brave, but it gives you that whole, you do the whole pre-show and the post-show, you present, you are pushing out live across a number of platforms. Was that all in the original plan or has this been an evolution? Uh, yes and no. So <laughs> look, so look, when we first started, uh, it was me and a buddy of mine, Billy, and you know, he'd always want to get into radio. I have a history in radio and wanted to start the podcast and when we did, we kind of tried out the live stream stuff. Obviously, it's a hobby, and we were always kind of improving our equipment. And so the first tries at a live stream, I think, were, you know, seven episodes in or eight episodes in, and it was us in his garage, you know, kind of just talking. But uh, so I guess in some regard, being out there on a video format has always kind of been part of the plan, but I think 
the way it manifests itself now uh, is is different than I originally intended because I think now I have a I have a goal of kind of reaching people where they're at. I, I want to reach human factors practitioners where they're at, where they're already looking at stuff. So, you know, searching through YouTube um, and see us pop up, that might be a way to get people to listen to the show and get involved with a larger community. Or uh, we, you mentioned we're doing the live show, right? We have that live show, anything could happen type of feeling. And some sometimes there are technical difficulties that happen. And it's like going to, you know, here in the States, we have NASCAR, going to a NASCAR and, and watching a crash happen live. Uh, so, you know, join us every Thursday night for that. Um, and then we have kind of the Twitch aspect of it, which is almost like a, uh, what do they call them? Parasocial relationships where, you know, you can come in and, ask ask us questions and this is where you know i'm i'm doing other stuff like looking for news and um it's kind of like the behind the scenes if you will of what we're <laughs> what's going on yeah 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 it's it's so engaging um and because you've now over 250 episodes something like that there's there's a vast amount of content there that that you've uh, that you've developed what was the original inspiration why why bother with a podcast in the first place yeah. So when I first started the podcast, uh, and I gave this context earlier, I was driving close to four and a half hours a day, um, spending a lot of time on the road, listening to podcasts. So, you know, anyone listening closely can probably pick out a couple things from other podcasts. I really did, um, really liked the shows that kind of kept up with the news and, and found myself wondering, you know, are they going to cover that topic on the podcast this week? I can't wait to hear what they have to say. And I thought that was an interesting approach, you know, and that's different from what we actually started with. At first, we kind of did it more informational. I think the first 20 or so episodes were all information-based. So it was like controls and displays, and it was kind of dry and boring personally. But, you know, I think switching to that news aspect really – um sort of keeps us on our toes to stay engaged with what's going on, you know? And then <clears throat> I think in terms of what I've stole from other shows, you know, <laughs> there's the, it came from, there's actually a video game podcast that actually has a segment called it came from Reddit. And, you know, we wanted our version to be a little bit more open than just Reddit, you know? So like I said, questions from the community. So we kind of took that and, um, and expanded it. And then the one more thing, there are a lot of podcasts do the banter. This used to be our banter section at the top of the show, uh, but we moved it kind of towards the end just because, like I said, you know, if people find us interesting and want to stick around, they can. Otherwise, we've kind of tucked it away at the end, making it actually a usable podcast, if you will. Uh, so that way people get the relevant information up front. Wow, applying human factors principles to a human factors podcast. The novelty. <laughs> Go figure. So you talk about we quite a lot, and you started off the uh, the podcast with Billy, but now you've got Blake. Um, so how did uh, Blake get into it, and, and where, where did you steal him from? <laughs> so I, I got him for about $5, and he stuck around. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So Blake, Blake and I actually shared the same physical office space when I started the show, uh, and we quickly became friends. And, uh, you know, he, I asked, I asked him to be on one day and he was all for it. You know, he, he thought about it and was like, this sounds like something really cool. Um, you know, like I said, at the time I was doing it with Billy and he was kind of assuming that I don't know anything about human factors role. 
kind of coming into it as the uh, naive listener. And so he'd ask a lot of those follow-up questions about what is that kind of keeping me in check and making sure that the questions were answered. Then Blake came on board and I think everything kind of changed. It was more of two human factors professionals chatting back and forth with a third asking more of those clarifying questions. And he, uh, you know, Billy really, really kept us grounded for those um, that might not have known too much about human factors, but Blake really kind of was that catalyst to have a more in-depth discussion about human factors. Yeah. That's really cool. The, the, the relationship you've got between the two of you, you can clearly tell that you're friends um, and because you've got a really nice banter between you. Um, was that something you had to work at or is it something that did it just come naturally to you? A little bit of both. I mean, there was, you know, there was always some growing pains with the beginning of the podcast. And I think we're still going through some personally, but, uh, you know, Blake, Blake is a nice person to talk with. And I don't really feel like I had to work too hard. Obviously there were a couple things towards the beginning that were, uh, you know, little producer notes here or there. Understand this cue, understand that cue, when to talk, who's talking when, but Overall, you know, Blake and I, like I said, we shared an office, and so we were talking all the time, and I feel like that transferred over into the show. That's really cool, because I, um, I suddenly realized that I've, whilst I talk about him, I take his seat, it's very comfortable, I've got to say. Um, never actually chatted to the bloke, never met him yet, and so that's something I clearly need to do um, in, in the near future before he thinks I'm just going to steal everything from him. <laughs> um, <laughs> You've got a. You've mentioned um, a couple of bit, couple of bits already, because you've got a lot of almost sideshows, uh, a lot of side content, a lot with this, such as Office Hours, which is where I first spoke to you on on Twitch, um, rather randomly, um, mainly because you were actually you started that just as I was going to sleep. Now, like, oh, I, I could just nip on this. This is good, um, but you you also do Human Factors Minute um, and things like that as well. How a how do you have how do you find the time in between doing all of that and a full-time job? Um, but also, where, where did you get the where did you get the inspiration, the ideas for doing all this extra work? Yeah, I think let me mention a couple other things too, because, <laughs> because you said office hours and human factors minute, and that's true. We do do those. Um, and so, just for anyone listening, we have office hours, which is kind of like the behind-the-scenes work of the show. For me, it's on Monday nights here in the States, I'll, I'll take a look at some of those potential news stories uh, and kind of think about what we could potentially talk about on the show. I package up everything and kind of release it as its own standalone content for the Human Factors community to follow. We have Human Factors Minute, which is uh, a standalone podcast for our patrons. It's kind of a reward for supporting the show financially. Um, and that is just a minute of really consolidated human factors content highly researched highly produced uh, it's just like a you know it could be york dodson law what is that well here's a minute on it right and it's it's hyper focused we also do other things too like conference coverage uh, this is uh, it's in our main feed but it's kind of separate i feel from our main show this is usually like a preview or recap of some of the comp uh some combination of both of the conferences that are going on been to hfes things like kai most recently neuroergonomics conference and uxpa so we kind of cover a lot of different conferences out there 
And we also do interviews around those conferences. So we do interviews like you, but we kind of center them around those events. And then uh, lastly, we kind of repackage some of that content to be standalone, right? So our It Came From segments that uh, we just talked about kind of makes a great standalone video on things like YouTube for someone who might have a specific question. They can go through and search for it. Uh, to answer your question, how do I find time for it all? Well, uh, good planning. Um, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of this stuff we build into our schedules, right? So right. no show this week. There's going to be some prep work on uh, getting some of that coverage for the conference. When we're at the conferences, we're there anyway. We might as well just grab an interview here or there. We're going to be talking about it. And a lot of times, um, not currently, but a lot of times there are employers that will require you to write kind of a summary of what you learned there. And, uh, you know, we find that this is a good exercise for us to really debrief what we have learned there. And then in terms of office hours, I'm doing that anyway, might as well just bring it out, uh, you know, into the public eye. And then Human Factors Minute is really the only additional, uh, what do I want to say? It, it, it's it's a labor of love uh, to make sure that, like I said, the people who are supporting the show financially are rewarded for that. Um, and then the second question you had, I forgot. It was, how do you find time for it all? And no, that was it. You've you've covered both sides. You just covered it back to front. The um, so I'm going to say, having done the show now, the um, the news selection, I thought there was a lot more. I thought you had a lot more notice than you actually had. Um, but it's amazing how you get your um, patrons um, involved in selecting the story and then the actual very short amount of time you've got to actually then research and do it. Can you just walk us through your the new selection process and for any, <laughs> and just for anybody who doesn't listen and realize just how up to date that how up to date this sort of stuff is? Yeah, so let's let's talk about the news. So what we ended up doing, um, I think, from episode 22 all the way up to episode 200, we largely picked the news stories ourselves. And one thing that I kind of felt was happening is that when we were picking the topics, we tend to pick very similar topics. And it, it still kind of happens to a degree, but less so. I think having our patrons choose this um, is is kind of a nice, pleasant surprise. So what we do is we post a little poll um, right after our show airs. So the, fo the following day after our show airs, we post a poll with all the news stories that we found uh, that week that we could potentially talk about the following week. Our patrons will come in, they vote on it. They can also you know request a story that they want to have us cover uh, as like a comment. And what happens is we set that for 10 a.m. as a finish date on the day of recording. So mm -hmm. they have basically a full week to decide what we're talking about. Usually the night before uh, we go on and record the show, I can typically tell what we're going to be talking about just based on the number of votes. And so that's when I'll start the show notes and send it out to everybody on the show. And then... <laughs> the, the following day. So Thursdays are very busy. It's a matter of getting all the research together, figuring out how we want to tackle the topic. What background information do we want to talk about? Let's find some quick sources to talk about them. People have already done the research. Let's just talk about it. And so 
it's it's kind of a consolidation of information that day of we have a good structure for show notes i feel so that way as we come to these stories we can kind of plug and play a lot of components um so that's kind of the process for selecting the news yes it is quite hectic and it is uh it's always a pleasant surprise it's kind of nice to come in and be like oh we're talking about that this week great it is uh, nothing about it yeah it is one of these yes that especially when you suddenly you you dropped a i think the first show i did with you um i found out about it what about 15 hours beforehand or something like that so like fine fine that the show notes are all done and and uh, and brilliant so i I looked at i was like i have no idea what we talked about and so suddenly i'm there looking into my own research and diving back into into some of the basics and all this and i see what you mean about it's a really good exercise in in keeping you honest keeping you um you know with basic human factors things that you might not have touched for a while or um things have moved on since you since you last played with it it's but it it's really neat in a way that it, it keeps it just so fresh it's uh it's, yeah. it's really quite cool i, you, I do want to say too it's like you know i don't think people come to our show because they think we're experts we're not it's it's a way for people who know of human factors and know of the principles to stay engaged with what's going on. And, you know, sometimes we'll have experts on that are specialists in that field. But yeah. honestly, a lot of the time it's just, you know, a couple of people talking about this story that they have no qualifications talking about. And it's fine. It's just a discussion piece. And I think that's what makes it really, really so engaging, because if you wanted experts, like full on experts in each, each particular subject, then you go to a conference or or something like that, whereas, um, or maybe that's, I guess, to a certain extent, that's more of what I do. I try and go and hunt them people down and, and grill them for half an hour. Um, but the what makes your show really engaging is the fact that, yes, you know what you're doing. You know the human, you know human factors um, stuff. You've got the skills, you know UX, et cetera, et cetera. But it's how you take maybe a really complex topic and actually engage it from almost a normal person's perspective, if there is such a thing as a normal person. Um, yeah, or somebody who has no idea about the domain, right? Yeah, I mean. exactly. Um, you mentioned uh, about patrons um, for somebody for people who aren't necessarily um, down with how patrons and Patreon. Can you tell us how they um, engage with and uh, a part of your show? Yeah, so they do pick the news, but they also do contribute to some other things like. Uh, like I said, with the It Came From section, we post a weekly Q&A. So they're always open to kind of provide questions for us to answer. Um, we also engage them separately in different channels, right? So you know, they're supporting us financially. We want them to kind of have direct access to us. So certain tiers will allow uh, for you know professional reviews of like a LinkedIn profile or a resume or a CV, whatever it is, depending on your goals, we'll kind of work with you for that type of thing. Um, we also, like I said, have those private channels available in like our Slack and Discord for patrons only. So it's a way to further kind of uh, provide that exclusive uh, area for them to interact. Um, so they've, they've kind of shaped the show in that way, but really in, in more ways than one, we are friends with a lot of our patrons and that is kind of a nice relationship to have because, you know, they started off as show supporters, but slowly over time they've morphed into friends and um, colleagues and it's just been a, kind of a good relationship builder, if you will. Yeah. So to become a patron, then 
they sign up through your uh, Patreon channel, uh, your Patreon account, and you've got different levels there for people to sign up to, um, and ver- get they get the various rewards like you like you've just outlined. That's a that's a really neat way of getting um, people involved at different levels, and and you know getting the uh, the ability to support the show. Um, is that something you recommend? Uh, for other po- pe- other people who are doing podcasts to do to do that sort of approach, or do you find it hard work, or is it? Um, are you fishing, Barry? <laughs> I, I'm not fishing as as much, but um, because I'm apparently my addiction to buying new kit is is never going to be um, um, uh, fulfilled by a page. I don't think I, I would get enough patrons to uh, uh, fulfill my need for new shiny kit. But, um, yeah. I- I mean, so for us, like we've always kind of followed that uh, PBS model, Uh, you know, viewers like you support the show and we've never really taken a sponsor. We've done like affiliate links and other little things here and there to help support the show, but never taken a sponsor. We do have a sponsorship role on our Patreon now, but it's more of a uh, it's an exclusive thing. Right. And it would just replace the Patreon commercial that we play every day. And we'd be very selective about who gets that role. There's only one of them available, right? So our whole thing is that we, I hate begging for people to help support the show. I just, I, I wanted to put it out there as like a, a way, if you like the show and want to support it, here, here you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to let that go unnoticed and we will reward you for that type of thing. So yes, I, I think it's beyond just the ability to um you know for for people listening to a show beyond the ability for them to support the show it's a great opportunity to get to know the people who are putting on the show mm-hmm. and it's uh yes i would recommend it for both podcasts thinking about it and for people thinking about supporting it cool so you've also mentioned about how different people get engaged and behind the scenes and stuff because in the background you also have the digital media lab what is that what does that involve Yeah. So the Digital Media Lab, we actually just stood this up a little bit earlier this year. Uh, We kind of did a big pivot around episode 200. And we had uh, one of our first volunteers reach out and say, hey, you know, I this is really cool. Is there any way I can get involved? And I I thought I was like, why don't we have a way for people to get involved in this way? And it's kind of grown from just somebody helping out with the show. Uh, to this larger thing. So, you know, we we have a lot of exciting things in development. Basically, the lab itself is developed to promote communicating human factors. And, you know, that's kind of always been the goal of the podcast is to communicate human factors in a fun, interesting, entertaining way. Mm-hmm. And so this lab is kind of built around that. How do we do that? Well, there's different forms of media that we can stand up, right? It, one of our uh, lab members, Katie, she's been going through and doing deep dives on some of the topics that we've talked about. So she's been following up our weekly episodes with a more in-depth discussion that does pull more research into it. Uh, and it has a lot more follow-up information, a lot more external links to other things going on. So they've been good companion pieces to our main show. We also have additional unannounced podcasts in the works uh, that are part of the larger media group um and so that's something that's being developed in the lab there's also people working on visual updates to some of our previous work you know we just started doing thumbnails for youtube and um sort of the podcast artwork fairly recently and so there's a lot of backlog stuff that needs to happen there's also other exciting projects that i can't necessarily talk about yet but 
if any of that interests your listeners, uh, you could always get involved. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. I like that. So you, you sort of, you've hinted at, at a couple of things. Um, what does the future hold for Human Factors Cast? Have you got any sort of long-term ambitions? Or do you, have you got guests that you haven't uh, um, had or topics that you haven't covered yet that you're just gagging to cover? Where do you see the sh- show going? Yeah, so I think I wouldn't be a content creator if I didn't have a big long list of stuff to do. <laughs> um, I think every every content creator has a list of some sort, right? So for, for the, the podcast itself, and it, like you said, it has really become more than just the podcast for, for Human Factors Cast, the entity. I think there's a couple things that we're looking to expand, right? So the lab is fairly new. I think we're looking to expand that a little bit and kind of really test the waters with the experimental nature of some of the um, the ways in which we communicate human factors. I think there's some really interesting things that we could do, uh, potentially even like paper or talk worthy at a conference. You know, I think there's some interesting things there. I think one thing for me is that because this has gotten so big and you alluded to it, it's very time consuming on my end. I think one thing for me that would be interesting is to step back a little bit and kind of assume more of a producer role. And so, you know, if I could get the podcast to a point where I'm not on the show every week, but I could still produce it. Right. I want kind of a rotating panelist uh, or rotating panel of, of guest hosts that could just jump in, do the thing and jump out. Um, and I kind of want to switch to that panel style, right? So instead of just two people talking about it, well, maybe we get three or four people that have a, uh, a better, a more disparate um, sort of levels of, of uh, experience with things. And and so bringing in multiple voices can kind of often enrich the discussion. And so I want to start getting to that point. We started, right? Most mm-hmm. recent episode, I guess we're recording this uh, for me on the 25th of October. Our most recent episode had three people on. So that was kind of fun to experiment with. Um, and then I think the last thing that we're looking for with the show is to kind of continue, uh, you know, expanding our relationships with conferences. So that way we get invited back and can continue providing some of that coverage uh, for some of the events that we know not everyone can attend. Right. You know, one of our most recent ones was the neuroergonomics conference. Um, and that was a ton of fun to go to. I'd never heard of it. I think it was the third annual this year. And uh, we got to know the organizers pretty well and we got to attend. It was a lot of fun to see some of that research going on. Right. Uh, and so we want more of those, I think, is, is the plan in the future. Cool. That's awesome. It's easy to see why Nick's podcast is so successful when there's so much going on, so much going on all of the time, multiple fl- platforms aimed at multiple different audiences. And listeners and viewers will have noticed me shamelessly stealing some of the styles I've picked up while working with him. It's been a a real privilege uh, to spend some time with him and see how he does things and think, oh, I like that bit. I'm going to do a bit like that. Um, And so you will see my style um, evolving, not to completely emulate what he does, but but certainly some of the bits he does around it. I I feel that there is um, there's some interesting cultural differences as well, which I'm learning um, certainly as a as a reserved Brit who doesn't say very much to uh, to see how the um, the American style um, delivers some things and de- delivers things in a really engaging way. Before we go, just another small plug for the CIHF Ergonomics Conference 2022. Whilst you've missed the long paper opportunity, there's still the opportunity to get short papers in. They have to be in by mid January. 
Finally, thank you, Nick, for your time today. Where can people find you if they want to engage with you and your podcast? Thank you so much for having me on, Barry. It's been a ton of fun. If anyone wants to check out the podcast, we encourage you to go to humanfactorscast.media. That's the website. We're also on any of the podcatchers you might see. We're also on YouTube and Twitch. That's what we're pushing now, so go check them out. Thank you for listening to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. Please do get in touch with your thoughts, questions, and comments. You can contact us on social media such as Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at 1202 Podcast. See you next time. And remember, it's more than just common sense.